Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our next lesson in the encounter. We are in our fall. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. We're in our fall quarter. I'm really super excited about this. This is our first one for fall. It's September 4th. First for you fall. End of the summer. End of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. yeah this we're, we're wrapping up Ecclesiastes. It's the end of the matter today. End of the and matter. if you have not joined us before, even though it's the end of the matter, click the like and subscribe buttons below and, and join us each week as we discuss a new lesson. So today we're looking at September 4th. I am one of your co-hosts. I am Reverend Becky and my lovely co-host. Got my hair did. You uh, did. Ready to go. Uh, Licked back. <laughs> my name is Chris Fleming. I'm the director of adult ministries for the ministry council of the um, Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And um, explain in the background again, remember uh, Day in the Park coming up October the 4th from 10 to 12. Um, Reverend Dwayne Tyus will be bringing us a message. Reverend Sandra Shepherd will be leading the music and... And I have, it has been pointed out that I have not said that our special pianist will be my wife, Amy Fleming. Oh, uh, so, my goodness. Yeah. So we yeah. need to make sure she gets some billing there. Absolutely. Don't forget Amy. Amy, yeah. we love you. You're amazing. You're an awesome person. So join us for Day in the Park, October 4th. That's really exciting. Also, um, again, I'm just going to plug Woosley Women on Instagram. And we want to know about the women in your church. So please send us a photograph and a 250 word biography about any of the women in your church so that we can celebrate the accomplishments that they have done for, for your local congregation and for the Cumberland Presbyterian denomination. Um, you can email those to me at rzarty. That's Z-A-H-R-T-E at Cumberland.org. Uh, last thing I'll mention is um, that we had our ministry council meetings and uh, you can see the, if you're interested, it's riveting. But if you're interested, you can contact Matt Gore um, and he can send you the digital copy. Also, it's listed on our Facebook page, uh, link to it. So if you are interested, then, uh, then please feel free to uh, look at those. And if you have any questions, you can contact anybody that uh, is on the ministry council or one of our, you know, employees, and we can help you there if you have any questions. So Yeah, it's great meetings, a lot of awesome information. It always amazes me how many ministries we are involved in across the board. It is just, it is so cool to, to listen to all the stories. So very good. Okay. So we're going to dive into September 4th. Um, our scripture selection today is Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10, 12, 1, and 12, 5 through 14. Our memory verse is Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for that is the whole duty of everyone. Let us have our prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit that in your light, we may see light in your truth, find wisdom. And in your will, discover your peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That comes from the book of common worship. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's start off with a discussion question today, Chris. All right. uh, if, if you were writing a novel, would it be necessary to know the conclusion from the beginning? Or would you prefer to let the story's characters and circumstances dictate the ultimate conclusion? I would just start if I were just writing start. a novel. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I could care less about endings. Uh, like they don't intrigue me. They do. I mean, but <clears throat> like uh, my wife is big. Sometimes I'll be talking about a movie or something she hadn't seen. And of course, I'll just go, well, you know, this is what happened. She gets so mad at me uh, because it ruins the movie for her. Spoiler alert. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and I don't mean to. But like, I, I don't care about endings as much as I mean, I, I like good endings, but I like everything that leads up to it. Sure. I like <clears throat> like, in fact, if I'm reading a book, I'm one of those people. I'll read a summary of the book first. Beginning, middle, and end. Um, because wow. what I find intriguing is the character development. Okay. Or the plot development. Like so you're more about you're more about the journey, but not necessarily about the conclusion to the journey. You're just excited about what happens on that journey. Yes. And my stepson okay. hates that as well because that's my phrase I always told him when he was growing up in high school and all that jazz. He was always worried about the ending. I'm like, who cares about the ending? Enjoy what you got going on now. You know, and, and that's that's <laughs> a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, that's yeah. kind of like, um, you know, they talk about on your tombstone, you have your birthday and your death date, but what really mattered about your life is that little dash in between. I think, yeah. And I think, I didn't know this, but it, you know, studying Ecclesiastes, I think that's what's vanity of vanities is is the end because we have we'll, we'll talk about it we have no control mm. over the ending we have no control over what god does like what god makes straight who you know right um but the only thing that we can do is fear god keep god's commandments yeah where do we end up and enjoy the journey enjoy the journey enjoy the journey and that's really what we're going to talk about today folks so we're going to talk about uh we're coming to this conclusion of Ecclesiastes, but it's more about how did we get to that conclusion? So it's well, you really didn't exciting. answer the question. I didn't answer the question. Okay. So, um, uh, I'm kind of more with you. I'm more with the, I like watching the characters and the circumstances just kind of develop on their own. I don't necessarily, need to know because it may be if I was going to write a novel I would think I would kind of let what happens in their life dictate the path that's going to happen in front of them you know so who knows how it'll end it would be a surprise to me as an author <laughs> as much as it would be to the readers I guess you know that would be kind of an interesting thing yeah so let's let's talk about the ending that's where we're at so the book's um closing chapter is unique dr estes tells us yet the rest of the work leads towards it so here we are at the conclusion and what do you think what did you think about the introduction here um when i was reading through the um um just what i wrote down initially was it's not where you start but it's where you finish right yeah um and, and the experiences you have along the way, like if you're a person of faith, you, I hope you believe in grace, you believe in maturation. And so um, there's a sense in which we live before God and we could mess everything up. But if we, David and Peter are my examples on this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just terrible <clears throat> in a lot of ways, but they're determined to be good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I like that. I think that's what I love about Peter. He's just, he wants to be so good for Jesus. And yet he just, man, he's impetuous. I really yeah. do appreciate him. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, and if you like, 
at any point, not at any point. I mean, like at any point of your life or any point of their life, you could take snapshots and be like, oh, that's a terribly good person or that's just a terrible person. Right. But again, we're not snapshots. We're more like movies. We're ongoing. And so. Yeah. Anyway. We have um, a storyline that keeps going. Yeah. So I think that's that's what I like. I'm going back to that. Um, one of my favorite shows. It's terrible. But it's uh, I think the reason why I like something like Star Wars or Breaking Bad or like Better Call Saul or these types of movies is you see this arc of people either starting out good and then they allow themselves to be evil or they start out rotten. But in the end, maybe it's the last it's their last moment, but they've redeemed it in some way. Right. So I like that kind of stuff. And isn't that what we're all going for? I mean, really, I mean, when we talk about Ecclesiastes and, and just looking at Kohelis, he has done so much craziness, you know, I mean, um, let's see in the second paragraph down, Dr. Estes says he employed great wisdom in this pursuit, but he also investigated the matter from sur surprising standpoints of foolishness, madness, hard work, idleness, righteousness, and wickedness. And even from the perspectives of oppressor and oppressed. However, he had made up his mind from the start of this endeavor that all is vanity, but then he comes to this conclusion. Yeah. Fear God. Fear God and keep his commandments. I think that is um I, I love that. Correct. I love that. Um then he goes on uh, in the introduction. I do like mm -hmm. the imagery that Dr. Estes brings up about um uh, one, two, three, third paragraph about the middle of that. Remember your creator in the days of your youth because the days of trouble are coming. And then mm -hmm. Dr. S says, even strong men are bent by the years. Um, and I think there's a there's a dignity in that that we, we don't need sure. to gloss over. Um, and then Dr. Estes brings up this uh, illustration of, of one of his friends uh, that uh, we're, it's on page four, I think think no not page four let's see oh that's at the bottom of page three um an older woman slowly followed her husband out as he maneuvered his motor motorized wheelchair out of a restaurant she commented to our table old age is for the birds then moving on she said tweet tweet right yeah <clears throat> i love that yeah and there's uh there's something to that uh, this was, you know some of the things like i'd call echoes of heaven it's just this every time when you get up from the from the couch and your knees snap, crackle, and pop, you're reminded that this is an earthly tent. And, yeah. And there's something, hopefully, <clears throat> you're at a point to where you believe something better is in store. Absolutely. Because we all come to, you know, I always said energy is wasted on the youth because I would love yeah. to have the energy that I had 20 years ago today. I just think about all the things that I would accomplish with the wisdom that I have and then the energy that I could possibly possess. But, um, you know, I thought about that, but would you have as much fun? Oh, I th and we'll talk about it, but that's uh, like, okay. Uh, that's a good question. That's one like in Ecclesiastes, we'll, <clears throat> we'll read it here. It's like, you know, uh, uh, Rejoice, young man, our very first verse. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart cheer you on in the days of your youth. Follow the inclination of your heart and the desire of your eyes. 
but know that for all these things, God will also bring into judgment. Uh, like, right. But there is a sense in which if we were as wise, well, I guess we would like to think that if we were as wise now or then as we are now, we right. would do things right. But we would also probably be terrible to be around. <laughs> and we wouldn't. Yeah, have that's fun. true. We would probably wouldn't have as much fun. Because we'd be thinking about all the consequences of all the stuff that we were doing. Yeah. And what fun is that when you're 15 uh, and 16? The consequences? Oh, man. That's terrible. But how funny. Right. Yeah. No. So it's it's the impermanence of things. I think that Kohelis is finally getting to as, as we walk through this introduction. Um, he's come to the realization that life moves on. Uh, time moves on that people age things change talks about i love on the, on top of page four at the very end of the of the introduction dr Estes gives us this reminders that light and water are symbols of life in the ancient world and these these things that kohalath is talking about that the golden bowl will crack that the silver cord will snap the pitcher will be broken at the fountain drawing wheel will be broken at the cistern these are all images symbolic images that time moves on that life moves on that things degrade break and that they have to be remade or redone or you know or I mean, they come just, to an end or they come to an <clears throat> end and, the, and they are no more yeah. um which is you know, the, which is where we are. We, I think as humans, we don't like to talk about our mortality or think about our mortality, but we come to an end um, at some point whenever God determines is our time, but there's a time when we just, we're just no more. And so what have we done with that, that time that God's given us? These are all deep questions. Yeah. So that leads us into exploring the scripture. And Dr. Estes starts off with, I think, a very important thing that we're going to start off with. Kohalath, the gift of wisdom was to be shared. Where do you want to go from there? Um, we talked about it, I think it was last week, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what it was, but <clears throat> the vocation that we have. And yeah. I think, and, and I still think this is true. The more I think about it, our vocation is to, <clears throat> which he brings us up maybe in a different section, but our vocation is to glorify God, enjoy God, and then pass that along, right? And so our vocation is to pass along what Dr. Estes says in that next sentence. It, it's important to pass along what he learned through observation, education, experience. And, and I think that's what we do. <clears throat> when it's all stripped away, like, again, vanity of vanities is that success that we have, the money we have, our children aren't, because they're going to live on. Mm -hmm. God be graceful and and we don't ever right. have to experience, you know, a death of a child before we go. That's a terrible thing. And then their kids will live on. And so mm -hmm. in a sense, um, that's that's where passing along wisdom isn't vanity. Uh, you know. Right. Because you hope that you can <clears throat> pass on that wisdom to your own children. And I know my kids are in their early 20s right now. And, and it's interesting, the conversations that we have because like my daughter will come to me and say, mom, if I had just listened yeah. <laughs> to what you told me three or four or five years ago, if I had just done what you'd said, you know, then I wouldn't be in the situation I was in or blah, blah, blah. Um, 
you know, but I think that's, that's part of our responsibility as, as a human being is as we learn wisdom, we're supposed to share that with others, whether or not they listen to it at that moment, who knows, but we need to pass along that information. And I really think that's what Kohalath was doing through Ecclesiastes is he's like, look, I have tried everything I could possibly try. I have done everything that you could possibly do. And I'm telling you this from every, everything that I have walked through, everything that I have attempted, this, this is the way, this is the, the end of all matters. This is what really matters is to fear God and keep his commandments. He's kind of come to that natural progression through his, his experiences that this is what, this is what is important. Yes. Which goes into those life lessons um, that yes. Dr. Estes talks about. Yeah. <clears throat> um, basically, Dr. Estes is lifting up the vocation of teacher, right, or, or whatnot in that next paragraph. And uh, uh, I like his description. They encourage and correct with out sacrificing their integrity just to be popular in the classroom. Life lessons, any dedicated coach or principal or biology instructor will agree are even more important to convey than the details of the curriculum. That is especially true in the context of Christian education, of course. And we've hit yes. on that quite a few times that, you know, our, the goal of Christian education is not just the transmission of knowledge or the transmission of facts. Um, it's to disciple people to the end goal of becoming like Christ yeah, and to live well in the world. Um, and this is a phrase that I, I heard in Bible college and, and I hope it, I, it rings true. We teach students, not lessons. We teach people, not, not lessons. Right. So right. like, right. Um, and as we were, as you were talking and like, I think that might be the difference between um, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Proverbs is oftentimes just a set list of wise sayings but in some sense ecclesiastes brings you into a struggle uh, makes you think about your life mm. ask penetrating questions and then you get shepherded to this end of the matter fear god keep god's commandments mm -hmm. and so they come at it a different way um but taken together you have a full scope of biblical wisdom probably sure so you have the short pithy sayings coming from proverbs that give you like little nuggets of wisdom, but then you have this lifelong struggle through Ecclesiastes. Yeah. I like that. I, th I think there's the, that last sentence there that it's especially true in the context of Christian education. I think it should be. Yeah. I think a lot of times in conversations that I've had recently with different pastors is that we're struggling with Christian education yes. um, that we struggle in in our churches with trying to go beyond a fill in the blank. You know, John three sixteen says for God, so blank the world, you know, I, I mean, but what does that mean? What is the depth behind that? What is the meat behind that? What are the fundamentals that we need to really grasp a hold of not just filling in the blank, but what are the Christian fundamentals that we should be learning? Um, he brings up in here, uh, I don't think it's in this section, but another section, the, the catechism, which we'll, we'll kind of yeah. get to, but that's a fundamental of learning Christian faith 
Um, and I think we're missing that in our Christian education. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, we do have to do Christian education a little different than we have before. Um, but it, 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 it's a, it remains a challenge. Um, sure. So we talk about life lessons, and, and I think that's important. Like, um, there's been a rise in, like, tech school as opposed to, like, liberal arts education. Mm. Right. Um, but you like to say there's a balance. I think there is a balance. Like, we can't shortcut. We can't shortcut memorization. We can't shortcut those bare fundamentals because when we do, then we can't anchor our life experiences to scripture. Um, and what ends up happening is our feelings, our life experiences become the interpretive tool. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's backwards. And that mimics culture. Like um, we were talking before we started recording um, in high schools, we focused on life education skills or life skills so much. And uh, I looked it up. It's over 60% of college students have to take a remedial class um, as a freshman. And that's because yeah. we've given up almost, I hate to say it, feels like we've given up fundamentals right. for life lessons, which, and I don't know, yeah, depends on how you view the world, if that's good or bad. I just know that 60% right. of college freshmen have to take remedial classes in order to move forward. So that the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. You know, the, those fundamental, that core, that core learning. Yeah. And yeah. I think we we've done that in in Christian education too. We've we've kind of given up that that core base understanding. Of course, you know, you and I both grew up in in a denomination that drilled us <laughs> in in that core learning. Yeah. Um, so so that's a little bit different. I'm always I think for me because I was drilled those fundamentals when I was a kid. Um, when I go somewhere now and run into people who are lifelong learners of scripture and don't even have the basic understanding, I think sometimes I'm surprised. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying there, there has to be a balance in that. Like yeah. there really needs to be, I I've heard many theologians in the past 10, 15 years through my education journey who I don't think know what scripture is but they're theologians. I don't think they could sure. point to a Bible verse to save their life, but they have their theology and that's scary. Um, so that is kind of terrifying. Actually. It is terrifying. Yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, then also, uh, I like, you know, uh, what third paragraph down where, um, Dr. Estes quotes Ecclesiastes 9, 11 and 11 through 12 or 11 mm -hmm. and 12 uh the race is not or i saw under sun the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor bread to the wise nor riches to the intelligent nor favor to the skillful but time and chance happen to them all <clears throat> for no one can anticipate the time of disaster that's why i think says this is all vanity if you're running after these things you might get it you might not in the end right. it doesn't matter um and so in keeping with a Hebrew understanding of wisdom, it's a very earthy wisdom. Yeah. Like, don't worry about the things that are outside of your control because they're outside of your wait, control. Wait, doesn't, doesn't Jesus tell us that? 
something <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you focus on the here and now. And if you're doing yeah. things right, and if you're doing things that are worthy according to scripture. Right. So, but not worry, but not worry about tomorrow. Don't have the anxiety about tomorrow is what Christ right. tells us, you know, because the sparrows don't sow or reap, but yet they're fed and yeah. the lilies of the field are clothed, you know, so we're not supposed to have all this anxiety about everything in life, but keep your focus today, you know, what's yeah. going on. And, and I think that that goes right into what Dr. Esther says in the bottom of page four, that all life is risk. Yeah. Living yeah. is a risk. I mean, every time you get into your car, it's a risk. You cross the street, it's a risk. Um, everything we do is risk. He ends, he ends the section with risk is a necessary part of life and it should not prevent us from pursuing our dreams. Kohalif might have said something like that. And he yeah. may, because life is a risk every day when you get up out of bed. There are things that. It's a risk, but in this sense, you know, there's a guarantee you're going to fail. Yeah sure i've tried sure. to allay my stepdaughter's uh fears sometimes when she thinks she's not good enough to do something or if she can do this or that it's like we're well, probably not but you you know you keep trying until you get it you yeah. will fail at absolutely everything you do one of my favorite memes on the internet is uh be brave enough to basically be terrible at the next thing right i mean like yeah okay i like that yeah, I, it's not exactly how it's said, but that's a good translation. Be be brave enough to be terrible at the next thing. And I think that's that's right, uh, because the experience is worth it, probably. Yes. Hopefully. 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 Yeah. Which, okay, so that leads into the discussion question. When you were younger, did you ever risk something great to achieve something great? And how did it work out? The key here is younger. <laughs> doesn't mean that I was a kid. Yes. Okay. I got married. That's, that's, a, that's risk. a risk. It's that a, is a huge risk. And it is something great. And it's worked out well. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. So a lot goes into that decision. <laughs> Absol absolutely. You know, you risk everything. Mm-hmm your entire being your emotional well-being your mental well-being spiritually you risk it all when you when you invite another person into that intimate relationship with you in marriage yeah what about I'm glad you it, i'm glad it works out well for you well so far it's a journey so <laughs> it's it not a destination a, of course it is a journey um you know okay i could say marriage too because i was young when i got married <clears throat> But I really think the, the more I've thought about this question, it was giving my life to Christ. That's always a, huge, a good answer. That's a huge risk. Um, because when you, okay. And, and people like to say, well, I just, yeah, I gave my life to Christ. But did you really? give your life to Christ. I'm going to go a little bit deeper because there's a difference between accepting Jesus as your Lord and savior and then making 
him your Lord and Savior. And when you surrender everything that you are, everything that you have, your mind, your heart, and your soul to make Jesus your Lord, that's a huge risk because the journey, the journey means then following God's leading and guiding and direction and not your own. And, 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 um, there were a few years there that I wasn't so excited about it, but I'm at that point in my life now where I find joy in, in what God is bringing me through. That's a good one. Yeah. Love it. So let's dig deep comparing scripture with scripture. So yeah, Dr. Estes does a great job of this whole first section. Koheleth is saying um, that his sayings are given by one shepherd, Ecclesiastes 12, 11. But then Dr. Estes gives us all these uh, scriptures on the one shepherd. And the one shepherd that we think about, of course, is Jesus. Yes. I think... Uh... Uh, Leo has a squeaky toy. I hope nobody did too. Uh, um, yeah, so when we talk about this, I think it is important that we, um, there's a sense in which when he uh, talks about the one shepherd, I think mm-hmm. that's a call to commitment when yeah. you learn because um, I, I've learned, I've noticed through my times of study, when you're receiving instruction, um, you have to commit to, in a sense, to the person that's teaching you. You have to yeah. commit to the um, the worth of the information that they're giving, um, because if not, you won't learn anything. Um, but then there's also a commitment to, um, I don't know how to say this, like when we look at different theologies, when we look at different worldviews, really it starts as a commitment to a fun, a fundamental principle. So Mm -hmm. like, if you're like more on the progressive side of theology, it's because you've committed to a certain thing. If you're more on the conservative end, it's because you've committed to a certain principle, whatever worldview or religion you've committed to something, then everything makes sense. It flows after that. Um, but that's why we have such a, that's why sometimes we can't, we can read the same Bible, same Bible verses, and we don't agree. And then we can't understand why nobody agrees, but that's, that's why. And so that's, um, that's something of what I think Dr. Estes is bringing out in this, uh, in this passage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree with that, that we have to understand how we're interpreting this to understand the direction that we need to be going in. But then he talks um, about yeah. how Ecclesiastes is, how the Koheleth himself is, and I, and I do, there's a reason I like Ecclesiastes. I also like James for the same reason that he just tells it like it is, <laughs> which is, which is sometimes a punch to the gut, but sometimes is exactly what I need to hear. Cause I don't need somebody kind of liberty jibbing around the, the topic. I just, I just need to know, tell it to me plain and direct. And, and that's kind of what I like uh, about this too. Um, yeah. And then it's uh third paragraph. 
um, about the fourth line. But in verse 12, the writer puts the brakes on over overly zealous intellectual pursuits. Mm. Um, the author says, beware of going beyond what has been taught. And then I love this from Ecclesiastes. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. Um, and, and like one of my favorite phrases in the world is that idea is so stupid, you must have a graduate degree. Um, <laughs> I think it's an amazing quote because, like I said, I've, I've, you know, got, you know, three different degrees, past bachelor degrees, and, and I've sat in classrooms in, you know, both secular studies and religious studies, and I thought, you're an idiot. Like, how, like, did, how'd you get there? Um, mm -hmm. And so, and, and so sometimes you've heard of the ivory towers. Um, sometimes uh, academics or people who are just into the book books side of things is, are so removed from actual reality. Reality. That you can come up with some crazy ideas, which make perfect sense until like you try them. Practical application. Yeah. And then it's terrible. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the big corporations. I mean, I'm sure you all have probably worked for some corporation at some point in time where you, your CEOs came up with this brilliant plan yeah. on how to increase sales or increase productivity or whatever it happens to be. And then when it finally trickled down to the people that had to implement this, it was like, Stupid. this is the worst thing ever. Great example. I worked for a resort one time. The name of the resort was fairly long already, but then they wanted us to have this greeting every time we answered the phone. And it was like three sentences long to the point where we all had to print it off and tape it to the bottom of our computers so that when we answered the phone, we could remember what we needed to say. And that lasted for like two weeks, right? Because by the time our bosses started calling in because they had questions and they were out wherever and needed to have an answer, they would cut us off. Like after the first three sentences, they'd be like, no, Becky, this is blah, blah, blah. Just stop, stop right there. Stop, you know? And right. I'm like, then why do I have to say this to all of our customers that are calling in? Cause they don't want to listen to this garbage. You know, yeah. it is too long. Great thought process, terrible practical application. Yeah, and and that's the cool thing about Ecclesiastes, and that's why throughout the book, Kohelth is saying, look, I've done this. Here's what I've observed. This is what I'm doing, and so there's this earthy wisdom to where uh, Kohelth is not aspiring this deep theology, but he is taking some deep theology, but he's putting it in, in the real world. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that the last sentence of that um, bottom paragraph on page five says Kohelet believed he was writing the sober truth, though it was not the great apostles gospel truth and proclaimed before tribunals and government officials, yeah. but it was still truth. It was yeah. the practical application of, of this is life. This is how things are done in life. And I have attempted all of this. And I'm just telling you from my perspective, fear God and keep his commandments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that discussion question got answered, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. What's the difference? Head and heart knowledge. Yeah, head, heart, and, and hands. Yeah. Head, heart, and hands. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's learn from the scripture. We're going to try. We're going to attempt. 
<laughs> the writer feels that on the topic of the meaning of life and the pursuit of happiness, everything useful that could be said has been said. Then the final conviction is laid before the reader. Fear God and keep his commandments for that is the whole duty of everyone. What do you yeah. think? Um, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, bottom paragraph, bottom line of that first paragraph. Um, I think this is the whole, the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments lead to Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind or, and your neighbor. And I would put, and your neighbor as yourself. Right. Right. So yeah. like, um, especially when it comes to Christian education, when it comes to religious education or whatnot. Um, if it doesn't lead to this, then we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and this should be the standard of if, if we're wise. Do we love God yeah. more than we did yesterday? Do we love one another more than we did yesterday? Yes. Or a season of life, whatever it may be. Yeah, because the the practical application of loving God with all of your heart, your soul, and with all your mind, that that is everything that you are. That is every fiber of your being. And if you love God with every fiber of your being and everything that you are and everything that you have, then you can't help but love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Because it just, it will flow out of you when you love God with everything when you have surrendered, but that goes back to that surrendering yourself, surrendering everything that you are to God and truly making him Lord of your life. That, that is, that is part of it. Yes. It is the natural progression of your wisdom and, and who you are as a human being and, and of your journey. If you get to that point, you know, which Okay, so there was a there was an interesting thought here in the middle paragraph. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. I'll give it. Okay, so Dr. Estes says in the last, I think it's like three lines of that middle paragraph. So this unexpected concluding thought is, in the view of many interpreters, another evidence of an editor's pen. According to some contemporary scholars, the exhortation to fear God and keep God's commandments is inconsistent with Kohala's teaching. It is like an epilogue submitted by another. What do you think? I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that statement. I, okay. I think it is the end of the matter. It's the logical conclusion of the matter. Yeah. Um, he's talked about, just a summary, he's talked about how pretty much everything is fleeting. And the only thing that's not all vanity. Yeah. Like from Isaiah, um, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Um, And so the purposes of God, that's why he says, um, um, what God has made straight can't be, or what God has made crooked can't be made straight. These kinds of things. Like, I, I don't see how that's an epilogue. I think it's the conclusion of the writer saying, I've tried it all, done it all, seen it all. Only thing that I can see that's not vanity is the word of God and the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. That would be how I'd make a take on that. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think that it, it is the natural progression of everything. And this is where Dr. Estes brings in the catechism. So, yes. okay, for our Sunday school teachers, 
I, I know I have run into so many people that do not know that we have a catechism. I mean, it's not just the Westminster Catechism. It is, we have a Cumberland Presbyterian Catechism. We do. It, it, <clears throat> I would describe the Cumberland Presbyterian Catechism as uh, life lessons and not flowery language. We'll say that. I'm a snob. That's true. Here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It is life lessons. So, so one of the, um, one of the very first questions is what is the chief end of man? And the response is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes, that's the, uh, I don't, I cannot remember. How, is that how R starts? That's the Westminster that's, Catechism. Hang on. Because if you have it. <clears throat> uh, and I'll tell you, hold up. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm looking, there it is. I knew I had it somewhere. <laughs> I am curious. Okay, so there we are. We, we have a catechism, people. Um, you can get it with a study guide, all in one edition. Yes, yes. All Cindy. Okay, so our first question is, who is God? And God yeah. is the one living active creator of all that is seen and unseen. That is the okay. beginning of our catechism. So you said that. Now, the beginning of the shorter Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief purpose or what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? It's just it's right. poetry. Which, um, yeah, which our second question then is who are we? And we are part of God's creation made in God's own image. Our purpose is to love and serve God. Right. And and all these are true. I just like the uh, yeah. poeticism of the Westminster divines. We'll say that. Right. Um, it is a little more poetic speak. Very much so. Uh, so uh, to glorify God, just in case mm -hmm. anybody, like when we say give glory to God or glorify God, we have different images running through our head. In this context, what glorifying God means is to live out those Genesis commandments, to be the very image of God. So yes. like a magnifying glass magnifies or makes known in greater detail what you're looking at as christians made in the image of god we magnify god to others mm. the way we talk the way we act the way we live our Treat life another, yeah we then magnify those characteristics of god which are worthy to be known mm -hmm. so we are to do that and that leads us then to enjoying that relationship when we become more and more godlike, right? The more we enjoy the presence of the holy. Amen. Yeah. Something and like what that. a beautiful life that is, which which I think is what Kohelis was getting to the whole time. Is that this beautiful life is enjoyable when you enjoy it, enjoying God's good creation. Yeah. And, and so I'll keep going in that bottom paragraph yeah. on page six. Dr. Esther says uh, to glorify God surely includes fear or reverence uh, for God, but to enjoy God, that is to live in happiness with God goes far beyond obedience to divine commands. And then he says, of course, it is not possible to, of course, it is not possible to enjoy God without the desire to obey God's commands, but our happiness with God rests on God's grace not on our perfect adherence to God's law, which I completely agree with. And then I'll also take exception to, um, because I don't think that was ever the intent 
I like, I don't think the interpretation to fear God, keep his commandments is a conditional statement in that I don't think Koheleth uh, um, was saying, if you don't keep all the commandments, you can't enjoy God mm. in a okay. legal context. I think Koheleth understood it the same way we do. We do a disservice to the Old Testament characters when we think that they just lived by the law. And if they did everything right, then they would be in a good relationship with God. That's what Job was trying to get at. They, yeah. they understood God's grace. They didn't know the name was Jesus Christ, and they didn't know exactly how it was going to happen, but they believed that God would be gracious to them yes. if their heart was right. So, um, again, they looked forward to the time of Messiah. We look backwards. And so when Kohela says, fear God and keep his commandments, it's the same thing as us saying, fear God, keep his commandments, but we're saved in Christ. So we don't have to fear or whatnot. They, they had yes. the same, the same thoughts. <clears throat> like in Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of me with 10,000 rams with the, you know, seed of my own body satisfy God. And God says, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. how did that go again? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do justice, love mercy and walk humbly. That's what God right. desires. And and that's what God was looking for. And, and, and so there's a sense in which we can, they had an, a relationship with God just as we do. We fail, Absolutely. but our goal is to not. <laughs> right. Which, yeah, which is hard. Our goal is to not, but we know, but we know, we understand that we are sinful people, that we are sinful creatures and that we are going to fail. But we also have that, that love that covers us. Yeah. you know so yeah so i think so, you can enjoy that yeah so but that's going to jump me into applying the scripture so is the fear of the lord and obedience to his commandments truly the end of the matter yes ish yes yes ish yes -ish. Well, so, yeah, i mean like we just don't do it well but no. yes sure. that's the end of the matter um yeah. and this is another thing i disagree with <clears throat> again not harshly or anything but um, I'm just going to read that first paragraph. Okay. Is the fear of the Lord and obedience to his commandments truly the end of the matter? That is not what motivates most people today. Is there not also ambition, desire, success, family, and so on? Koheleth thinks these con contribute to one's happiness and an understanding of the meaning of life. But this closing editor seems to sweep all that aside in favor of fearing God and obedient to God's commandments. And I think that's wrong. Um, because if we're devoted to God, if we're enjoying God, then our ambitions, desire, success, and our need for family and so on absolutely line up with all that's how we enjoy this life. Yeah. Is, and so <clears throat> I think to say that ambition, desire, success, and family are opposed to that which makes God happy um, is not true. It's just when we're outside of God's fellowship or enjoyment of God, our ambition, desire, success, and our priority of family is misplaced. I would agree with that. Mm. I, I would say in my early twenties, when I was, when I was running from God, it, my ambitions, my desire, my success for my family, what I had envisioned was what I wanted and what I thought was best. Not necessarily what right. God thought was best, but at, at this stage of my life and making Jesus truly Lord of my life, the ambitions and the desire and the success that I have 
are because I'm following what God's plan is for my life, not what I necessarily want, but I find joy in following God's guidance and, and walking the path that he has laid before me. You know, this is where I find excitement and, and joy of being with God and experiencing his good creation around me and the people that he's introduced into my life. Even though sometimes the situations and circumstances are really difficult. I learned, I learned a new phrase the other day that I really loved. And I think it was on Cumberland road, um, TJ Malinowski, one of his guests said something like change, change is necessary, but transitions are difficult. Yeah. And I thought that is so true because change is a necessary part of our life. It's part of God growing and, and bringing us to new things and showing us new levels and gaining a deeper understanding, but it's the transitions as a human from one point to another point that, that can be really hard to, to navigate. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the desires that I have now are lined up with what, what God wants for my life. And this is where I find my enjoyment. Yeah. So the Proverbs, um, what is it? Trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. You're probably not going to become a millionaire, but you're not going to care about being a millionaire. Your desire is going to be to love Christ. So trust in Christ, your desire changes. Um, And so I think that's where that comes from. The other thing would be like, you know, the Genesis passage or the, it all comes back to Genesis. Um, the Genesis passage, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, uh, subdue it, have dominion. Mm-hmm. That's ambition, desire, success, and family. Like, it's yeah. a good thing. And so, anyway, um, I, I think it's, um, that's what it means to fear God, keep God's commandments. Right. And enjoy God all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. But that leads then, because I really want to know. Okay. How does the prospect you, I'm turning the head, how does the prospect oh. of an eternal judgment inform your day-to-day living or does it? Ooh. Okay. So growing up as a kid, the prospect of eternal judgment terrified the snot out of me. Uh, you know, that, that it's go to the hell house. Did you hell the hell fire house? and damn yeah. it. No, I, I never, and I had a, an imagination. I did not need a hell house to help me. I was already there. Um, but today it, it does, it, 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 it informs my day-to-day living because I think about, am I, by actions that I'm taking, the attitude that I have, the way I'm treating other people, I stop and I ask myself, is this loving God with everything that I have? And is this loving neighbor as myself? And, and if I'm not, then I need to take a step back, <laughs> repent and apologize. You know, I'm so sorry that, that I did this in my own will and not yours. So yeah, it, eternal judgment does inform my day-to-day living. I struggle with this <clears throat> in the sense of if I'm a Christian, I don't have to worry about a judgment of hell. Sure. But <clears throat> people say that. But in the same way, I've never had to, like, I, I mean, it's a possibility. I talked about being married and things going well. Um, Amy and I made 
vows to one another to have to hold richer, poor health, good health, whatever. Mm-hmm. So on a technicality, she'll never send me away if we follow those vows. Um, so in other words, I won't be judged in that sense, but I would be desperately, I think I would be desperately sad if I hurt her mm-hmm. or I, or I um, treated our relationship in a manner unworthy of marriage. Uh, and so I think that's where, when we think of e- eternal judgment as Christians, we don't worry about hellfire, damnation, and all that jazz, but we do worry about our relationship with our family. Yeah. God and one another. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Um, I did have a really good thought. <clears throat> uh, Christopher Hitchens, atheist guy, John Lennox was a, he is a uh, Christian professor anyway they were having a debate about whether um like new atheism is the way to go from here on forward but christopher hitchens brought up you know this idea of god that's always seeing always looking and if you get online he'll send you to hell and then john lennox said yeah but i mean you say that's bad he said but one thing i do know is stalin never thought he'd have to answer for his crimes and i and i I wish he did is what he said and i think that's true too so there's this sense in which yeah um when people do not feel accountable, human nature leads to terrible things. Absolutely. I mean, like we like to romanticize our nature, thinking that if we had no judgments, that we would be just cheery, like you know, a bluebird on our shoulder, like <laughs> but it's not the way it works. Uh no. History has proven that when we don't think we have to answer for something, we take liberalities, we'll say. Yeah. Take liberties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what was uh, I didn't watch this, so don't judge me. But I've seen. I've already judged you. Was it the purge? Oh yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. You know where you have twenty four hours yeah. to do whatever you want, and there's no consequences to the actions you took for that twenty four hours, and just all the all the horrible things that we do as as yeah. human. Some people would disagree with that, like Lord of the Flies. That's another one. Like right. Oh, what I happened? I mean, those too. kinds of movies. You know, um, some people would would say that hum, humans are essentially good i being the reform snob that i am would say everyone is terrible and every once in a while they do good things ah, i don't know oh my goodness all right all right um so thank you again remember uh, october 4th day in the park really important um woosley women remember to get those in and i am going to plug cumberland road i've been listening catching up on those lessons again um if you have not listened cumberland road podcast is a wonderful way to listen to the faith journey of our brothers and sisters and just what god has brought them through and it's always a beautiful reminder that god's working every day in our lives whether we recognize it or not so spotify apple itunes Google Play, Google Play, anywhere. You just mm-hmm. type in Cumberland Road with TJ. You don't even have to TJ, put in Melanoski because that's no. the hard part. Yeah, that is the hard part. <clears throat> that good Polish name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. See you next week.